NZ Aerosports, Icarus Canopies, now Gyro. That's right, we've rebranded, and Gyro is our next generation. It honours our founder, as that's the name we knew him by, but Gyro also marks the start of a new chapter. And not to be biased, but it's going to be fucking epic. Long story short, we're more us than ever. So if you're new to the sport, or even a Sky God Ninja Turtle, welcome. I think our valiant leader Lucy, Gyro's daughter, Says it best. And we still got that fuck your attitude. <laughs> Rebrand! Woo! Rebrand woo indeed, Lucy. Anyway, head over to gyro.com for more info and get amongst your legends. I was 19, broke, unemployed, and sold my girlfriend's canopy for drug money. So, I thought I'd better sell her a new one. What a sentence and what a story. This describes the humble yet outrageous beginnings of NZ Aerosports, the home of Icarus Canopies, in the words of our founder himself. From getting a paratrooper toy from his mom, watching parachutes at the DZ as a six-year-old, jumping off the wharf with a parachute made from bedsheets, doing his first jump at 16, sewing his first canopy on a borrowed machine at 19, and starting to sell parachutes out of a garage in 1986, Paul Gyro Martin had an undying love for the sky. Our company started with one man with the wildest of spirits in a true blue sky dream, a renegade. In the time that Gyro created and ran the Icarus Canopies brand until he passed away in 2017, he pushed everything he had to its limits. We miss him and we always will. Gyro is the next generation of NZ Aerosports. It honors our founder, of course, because it was the name we all knew him by, but Gyro the rebrand also marks the start of a new chapter, our next jump. Gyro is the space between sound and silence, art and science, chaos and calm. Gyro is a state of epic tranquility that transcends understanding. That moment, in the door, in free fall, mid-swoop, where nothing but the present exists. A perfect balance of euphoria and thrill. Gyro captures our passion for flying and our commitment to designing break-the-fucking-rules canopies that deliver pilots pure, wild flight. Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Back in the can for another edition of the Lunatic Fringe podcast and a smiling, friendly face on the other end. Who the fuck are you and what do you do? Hello, my name is Danny Roman. Uh, I'm a professional skydiver. Damn, dude. Since the last time we talked, you have pulled off some shit that's just been blowing me away. I've been fucking floored with what I'm watching. So to say you're just a skydiver is kind of underselling yourself a little bit. Man, been a good time. Huh? It's been a good year because we saw each other a year ago, I think, a year and a half ago. Huh? I, I think it was a lot, of, a lot of things going on for sure. Huh? Yeah, I think a year and a half, maybe even close to two years. Because the last time we yeah. talked, the the last really big thing that you had done was the volcano jump was what we talked about quite a lot. Yes, I was filming Seva for the volcano. That was uh, yeah, amazing. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, so that's been quite a while. So um, yeah. what we'll do before we uh, dive into all the stuff that you've been up to is kind of take, for any listeners that didn't hear you the first time around, um, we'll kind of give a reintroduction. So how did you get started in skydiving, base jumping, anything extreme? Yeah, so I started skydiving with 18. Uh, with 18, I did my FF, but um, I always, like, skydiving was always an obsession. Flying was always an obsession for me since I was a kid. Everything that fly, like a planes, paragliding, paramotor, uh, radio control planes, like was catching my attention a lot. Mm. And uh, I remember since I was like 12 or 11 or something like that, I was just saying that I wanted to be a skydiver. Wow. And uh, yes. Did you have family that was in it or or, or did you know Nobody. Anybody? Nobody. I don't have a skydiving family. 
I mean, that's kind of a, a, was it movies or something that interested you? Because that's kind of a random thing for a kid that age to latch onto if it's not in their face. Yeah, I don't really know where it came from. Like, probably from some movies or some videos. Like, I was really passionate about everything that was flying. I wanted to also be a pilot. So, um, but yeah, at the age of 11 or 12, like, my main goal was to be a skydiver no nice and then now, with 18 year old i got to do my ff did so you're you know 12 13 14 years old growing up uh i'm assuming that you voiced this desire to your family what did they think of it yeah. they were obviously i'm from a little town in spain a really small town and i was like Sky, what that's that's not a way of living like what what is that? That's military thing, you know? You have to go to the military, and that's for the military, and that's it, no? Like, it was not a way of living for them, no? Like, it's normal, no? A super small town, that's not, not for normal people. It's, it's not a traditional job, no? Not a traditional way of living, no? So it was like something that, yeah, all right, you find your job, you do your career, and then you can do have the hobby that you want, no? For sure, huh? Yeah, that was but, that's that's what I would expect from a traditional family in a small village like that or small town like that is to be like, no, 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 sort out your life and then you can go jump out of a fucking airplane. But mm. exactly, yeah, exactly. So it was exactly like that. And I remember when I was seventeen, I got a summer job, and with the money that I saved in that summer job, I went straight to the skydive without to the drop zone to skydive Legio, same drop zone that was Pablo Hernandez, you know, a bunch of people that. Uh, that uh that is in dubai now and and they are up there they were working there and uh i did the effort there and as soon as i did the effort i was like fuck i want to dedicate my life to this i love this shit i want to do this every single day (laughs) and that's 18 that was 18 yes yes so actually i left there i was doing some uh, a degree in sports and i was like the studies for this for um yeah, for sports, and I basically left everything and uh, I started working in the drop zone. So I was working in the office and in the manifest. Really? So I worked, yes, yeah. That's a yeah, tough so way I to worked. get to know the sport, man. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Manifest, oof, it's not an easy job, huh? No, no, no. I've, I've, I've long said I think uh, it's probably the hardest job on a drop zone because they got to put up with us. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not even just putting up with the jumpers. They got to put up with the asshole pilots like me. They got to put up with <laughs> packers that all and customers. Holy shit, man. I, there's no yeah, way definitely. I can do that job. You have to deal with a lot of people, you know, a lot of patients uh, for sure. Yeah, man. I At remember. The age of 18. Absolutely. I remember I was standing at uh, um, at the manifest window at the desert in Dubai and uh, um, the customers would just keep coming up to manifest and asking stupid questions. And they'd ask this one girl. She kept coming up and asking the same question. And they're like, we'll call you. We'll call you. We'll call you. We'll call you for whatever the question was. And she walked up again as I was standing there chatting with them and she starts to talk. And I just leaned over and slammed the window in her face. And they're like, oh, you can't do that. And I'm like, no, you can't do that. (laughs) For sure. Like people don't realize, no, but it's like, yeah, I want two questions. But yeah, it's another 50 people asking another two, three questions. No, So for the manifest, for sure, it's a, it's a super hard job. So Yeah, which is why yeah. every time they'd rip into me for getting mouthy, I'm like, oh, yeah, I deserve that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you started- yeah, it was a good time. Oh, it was a good time. It was a good learning for sure. I was in the manifest for like seven months, seven, eight months. So I didn't do it that much because we got a really fucking good deal when I was working there. So talent was low was enough, was good for me, 18 year old, you know, the only thing that I wanted to jump and they let me jump. So the rule that they have in that drop zone was like, if it's a space on the plane, why not let the staff go up and jump? Nice. So man, like the first year, I think I did 700 jumps. Your first year? Yeah, the first year I did like 700 just fun jumps, working at the drop zone. And, uh, you yeah. did more fun jumps your first year than I think I've got total. <laughs> yeah, man. Man, I was super lucky, super thankful, super grateful for for that drop zone because, like, in one year, they I did that amount of jump that is in any no other, any other way I could have done it. Sure. And then after that year, I started to do video tandem videos. So I did tandem videos. After that, I did the IFF, and then I did tandem master. So I worked in that drop zone for. It's going to be more than two years. 
Three years, yeah. So from manifest to video to uh, tandem instruction and all this stuff at a drop zone that's also bringing up the likes of Mr. Hernandez. I mean, there's some talent at that drop zone. Was a really good drop zone. Was was huge. They have a couple of planes. They have a caravan. They have two. two uh, sorry, they have a caravan. They have two Pilatus. Mm. And uh, man, it was amazing. It was super cool people. Really good environment. No drama. They have a soup pond. It was huge the landing. It was a beautiful place. It was barbecues every day. Nice. I remember with a lot of with a lot of love that that time. Huh? I enjoyed it a lot for sure. So now, um, you you've got the family that's uh, asked you to you know get a traditional life, and then you can go do your extracurricular stuff after. Yeah. But by this point, they must have known he's not doing what we're asking. I mean, were they giving yeah. you shit for it? No, they were actually they were super happy that I was doing that I make through my dream, no? Like I wanted to dedicate myself to skydiving, to be an instructor and to to jump every day. And they saw that I got it. I was making a living from it. So they were super happy for sure. Was there a plan before skydiving entered the picture? Like I'm going to be this when I grow up or I'm going to be that or? Not super clear. So pilot was always something that was on my mind. Um, nice. I wanted to be a mountain guy also. So I was doing the study, started study for mountain guy. Nice. Yeah. Nice. You kind of combine uh, those. Yeah. So now it's combined. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a bit of both. Huh? You're just a mountain yeah. guide on the way down really fast. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, so I um, think meet in some point for sure. Huh? So bring us forward as obviously now you've become a professional skydiver. You're working in the industry, um, but you decide, uh, was it other drop zones that were drawing you to different locations or was it other opportunities that got you to start traveling around? So I was working in Lido for a couple of years. And then I remember in one trip, some of the workers there, some of my teammates, the instructors, they left on a trip to Maldives. And when they came back, they have stopped over in Middle East in Dubai when everything was starting. Ooh. And uh, they all got offered a job. So they basically, <laughs> all my friends came back, all my teammates, you know, that we jumped together, we hang out. They came back from the trip and they're like, all right, man, we're getting the fuck out of here. We're going to Dubai. And I was like, man, what? What Would you guys going? Where? What's going on? Where is that? <laughs> you know? And then they basically explain us that it's a drop zone that was starting, that it was going to grow, you know, that they could jump, that they could do this, you know. So basically, after a couple of months, everyone left. And I stay in Lillo, but I always like, I really wanted to go there, no, because the sport was growing there, you know, it was a huge opportunity. But I was 20 years old, so I was 20. I couldn't speak any English at all. Not much experience, so I tried to get in there. You know, I tried to contact the drop zone. I tried to contact <laughs> everyone there, but was no way to get there, no. And uh, got in contact with the with the tunnel. I never flew in the tunnel, but I got in contact with the uh, with the manager of the tunnel inside Dubai that was about to build. And um, and basically, they needed people, but the same. Answer, no, you are 20 year old. You don't speak English. Right. I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry, you know? And then as I told you before, it was like, all right, I'm still going to go there. I want to go to, to Dubai and then just try, you know, I'm going to quit my job, go there for two months and then just see if I get something. Sure. And uh, two months pass. I'm in the airport to go to Dubai and uh, I get an email from the manager of the tunnel. If it's true, you're coming here tomorrow. You had a meeting with me. And uh, yeah, you are meeting for the job. And I was like, fuck, amazing. Fuck yeah, you know. <laughs> and I remember getting to the Y and uh, met with Pablo, and I couldn't speak any English at all, completely nothing, you know. So I was like, all right, we have to do something, you know. I have a meeting tomorrow with a guy that speaks only English. I have no idea about English, so let's, you know, have to show me a bit, teach me something, you know. Right. <laughs> so I remember that we went for some drinks that night, you know, and. Uh, yeah, it was just a typical thing, you know. Like, yeah, how are you? Do you reply this? When he tells you this, you reply that, and it's like fuck, you know. But as I said, so useless, you know. So as soon as we go to the meeting, you know, we sit there on a table and was this guy that started to speak was Scottish, and then Basile started to speak, and I have no idea what he was saying, not even one word. <laughs> 
but uh, basically the easiest way to describe is I got a job just saying okay. I didn't even know to what I was saying okay, but I say a lot of okay. And uh, yeah, I got the job. I remember when the interview stopped, like Pablo was sitting, no, with us on the table was sitting next to us, but he could hear everything, you know. And at one point he was like, man, he gave you the job because I was just saying okay, you know. I have no idea what that the interview was finished, you know. Oh no, yeah, super happy. Yeah. That's super fucking lucky. funny. You got the job. Yeah. Okay. When do you start? So, yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> Dude, that's fucking awesome. The well, guy I, must be thinking, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? No? Like everything is okay. I have no idea what the <laughs> Well, and that really was, I mean, the 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 golden times in Dubai, right? I mean yeah. That's back when if you were associated with Skydive Dubai or the tunnel in any way, you kind of were, you had the the golden ticket. Yeah, definitely. I'm super grateful for that time and for that opportunity and for to move, go do that step and just going there to try because when we got the opportunity to to start working there it was insane. Like we, I remember we finished the course, the instructor course. Um, or I, I didn't really know what was my job. <laughs> so I, I remember with Madman, I used to live with Madman thing. And um, I remember we, we used to wake up in the morning, we go do a couple of jumps. We do a couple of jumps in the morning and then go to the tunnel. And we could fly because our job was to train to become a good instructor. So we could fly like six, seven, eight hours, no coach. You know, I remember just leaning on the net, you know, it's like, man, I'm done. I gotta fly anymore, you know, destroy it, you know. So yeah, yeah, it was a really good learning for like eight months or something. We fly as much as we could until they open the big tunnel. I was gonna say, was that uh, um was that the in-flight tunnel that you were in, or was that the uh the private tunnel? So we were in the private tunnel in the beginning because in-flight Dubai, the big one was closed. Was okay. I remember yeah. uh, um because I came after after you'd been there for a while and uh, um w- but when the staff still had um tunnel time free tunnel time as much mm. as they wanted you just had to be on the list or whatever um yeah. and I remember going to the, to the uh the compound where the private tunnel was the royal family's <laughs> family wind <Yeah>. tunnel <laughs> and yeah. uh pulling up to the gate and um I think it was Alan that told me yeah you just pull up to the gate and just tell them you're with Scott of Dubai and they'll let you in and I'm like bullshit no way and I'll never forget pulling up to that gate the first time uh Scott of Dubai gate opens up yeah you go up into the tunnel there's sandwiches and little treats and drinks laid out and they flew me until I fucking called uncle and said I can't do it anymore yeah, man, it was insane, no? Like, things that was happening there was completely crazy, no? Especially, like, we coming from a normal scale of industry and you are used to everything is expensive. Every little, every jump that you do, you have to count it and see if you can do it, you know, it's expensive and this and that. And there it was just, all yeah. right, just get in the tunnel and get out when, when you're tired, you know? It's all good. I <laughs> so, legitimately right. believe that the tunnel in Dubai um, helped to jump the the sport at least of indoor skydiving forward leaps and bounds like i believe i truly believe that skydive dubai is why tunnel flying is as incredible now as it is because you had so many people like you that were just thrown in a tunnel and figure everything out and you guys fucking did yeah yeah it was uh yeah super lucky yeah but yeah, they give us a huge opportunity. And I think for sure, Sky Dubai was even a huge opportunity to so many people, like all the teams, um, like all the Nexus, the Belly, like all the Winsus team, like they help a lot to the to all the sport worldwide, no? Like they vastly push the sport in so many disciplines, no? Well, we got so to go thanks. do so much silly shit. For sure, for sure. It's just, they give us a white paper to just try whatever, for sure. Yeah. Amazing, you know? I remember uh, uh, flying Mach 2 up one day, and, and uh, they were jumping instead of flying in the tunnel one day, and they had all these bungee cords in the back of the plane, and it's just Mach 2 I'm flying it up an otter, so I got like five or six people in a twin <laughs> otter. <laughs> you know, climbing at 2000 foot a minute. And I look in the mirror and it's just a bunch of guys stretching bungee cords with handles out. And I'm like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Experimenting. And the next, they just roll out and they're just yanking each other around the sky with bungee cords. Yeah. 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 I remember Pablo was uh, crazy about that, about the bungees and the bungees, the new shit, man, we love this. You know, we're doing a bunch of, it was super funny. Yeah. So 
you get to Dubai. Obviously, you've learned how to speak English. In the meantime, you're flying your ass off. Man, I live with Mad Mountain, so definitely have to learn to speak English for sure. <laughs> Which I, I'm I'm trying to figure out how you don't have the most outrageous Australian accent if you were living with Munting of all people. Yeah, it's funny because a lot of people couldn't really. You remember how he used to like make up words, you know, and then all these expressions, you know, it's funny because I lived with him for a long time and I couldn't understand him better than a person that would talk like, like a British or something. They would talk perfect English, you know, I would understand Matt completely perfect. Well, I think half of uh, uh, when Matt Munting spoke, it was almost uh, um, body language more than anything because that man couldn't sit still to tell a story. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're funny, yeah. So with all of this experience, obviously this led to a, a great career there in Dubai, but you're not tied down to a drop zone anymore because you've been now with Red Bull for how long? I mean, quite yeah. some time. I think obviously thanks to all the steps, you know, like all the behind for sure, like the opportunity I got only media, the big opportunity I got in Dubai that I flew so much. And then also I got to jump a lot and jump and learn from so many amazing people. And then, um, when I left Dubai, I think I left 2017, I think I left, and then I started working in different drop zones. So I was working at uh, Norway, I've been working in Spain, I've been working in different drop zones, and I'm basically working as a tandem. Um, I've been doing tandem, I've been doing FF, I've been doing camera, and mm. also been doing uh, some different projects. So I remember some opportunities that I got, for example, in Norway, I got into the team one call for a couple of summers. So I got to do some really cool projects with the windsuit, XRW in the mountain. So I've been doing some things like that. And then been working on, uh, yeah, been working on different projects like that one. And then one day I remember I got a, I got a email from Red Bull. And then I got an email from Red Bull and for a video that I post that got viral, you know, and they kind of found out my background that I was competing in the tunnel because when I was in Dubai the previous year, we were doing a four-way dynamic competitions mm. and uh, they were pretty good though. They were pretty, we did pretty well. And then obviously Red Bull found out the background of the, of the tunnel and then that I was involved now into wind shooting and, and doing different projects in different locations. And basically they asked me if I wanted to have a meeting with them. So I have a meeting with them and uh, I remember going to the meeting and, uh, you know, like everything that they explain you because you see it as, uh, and you see it super hard, no? Like when you see a meeting to become a Red Bull athlete, you know, like it's, it's a long process and, and looks super hard and it mm. is hard for sure. But when I came out of the meeting, I was like, man, it's no way this, this is going to happen, you know, like it's not. But I kept doing my thing, you know. I remember I didn't even have social media, no Instagram, no no nothing, you know. I was just doing my things and that's it, you know. So basically in that meeting, it's like, man, we want someone in Spain, you know, that uh, is in the tunnel, that does demo jumps, that I've been doing windshield, you know, that is in this sport. And um, basically I've been doing my, I kept doing my thing and I started to post a bit. And two years after the first meeting, um, I got the contract with Rebel. Yeah. That's, I mean, those guys do their research, right? They've got people everywhere watching out for, yeah, what, for sure. what's the next yeah. thing. What's the next person going to that yeah. next level? It's, it's crazy. Yeah. They have an amazing crew. They have an amazing crew and, uh, and they obviously support the people also, um, uh, from, because in, in the beginning, when I started with Rebel, I was not doing that great, like that many things with the windsuit, you know, I was more into free flying. Sure. But I was in the process to chain a bit the sport of, of being more, more, more motivated uh, to, to windsuit. And I find it amazing and grateful that, that they support that transition, no? Because when I started, I was into free flying and then they support me to get into the windsuit that it was really was motivating me in that time. Huh? Sure. Yeah, it's an amazing, amazing crew. Huh? You know, I think it was, I'm not sure if it was Matt or Nick, but it was on one of the times that I had them on that I asked uh, how they were able to push this level of wingsuiting so far. And they both said the same thing, which was it was their skill in free flying that made yeah. a lot of the wingsuit, modern wingsuit flying possible. Uh, do you agree yeah. with that? Yeah, I agree 100% for sure. I think 
um, was a big change to win shooter into win shooting when uh, when Noah Banson, Micah, Julian, with all these guys going to into win shooting um, because of their background free flying. No, because mm. basically, win shooting is the same as free flying, just with more power. Sure. If you know how to fly carpet down without the windsuit, you just have to adapt it to the windsuit, you know, but it's not going to take long. So I think if, if someone is a good free flyer, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a, like a quick transition to, to windsuiting and it's going to be, it's going to transition, it's going it's to be quick, the progress for sure. I remember one of the only jumps I got to do with some of those guys. Um, I got to jump with Micah, and I forget who was flying the other wingsuit. And all they wanted me to do was jump out, get on my head, and go straight down. That's yeah. it. <laughs> so I literally, I'm just like I'm flying in the tunnel. My yeah. legs are out like a shelf. My arms are straight, and I'm just looking straight forward, and it's just wingsuits fucking zipping around me. And it was yeah. the most amazing thing because I was just a fly on the wall watching these guys. And this was God, this must have been six or seven years ago. And what you guys have done, even in that amount of time, to forward that part of the sport is insane. I remember when they were doing, uh, when they have the windshield team, you know, I remember seeing the flying that they did through the buildings, you know, yes. and all the free flying. And I'm like, man, I want that. Like, I remember I was working in the tunnel when that happened. No? And I went, man, I want that thing for sure. I want to do that. Absolutely. Dude, every time they would get on board the plane, um, I was, especially at the Palm, I was stoked because I knew they were going to go do something. But especially when one of them, usually Micah, would poke his head into the the, uh, cockpit and go, hey, can you take us a little further this way or a little further that way, a little (laughs) fucking deeper, a little more over the buildings? Oh, it was so cool. And then I think it was uh, um, Joe Keffer, who you know from Dubai, was flying all those loads when the wingsuit team were deep into the buildings flying through the marina in man. Dubai. The vertical maze was called, no? Amazing, huh? What a video. Yeah, man. Just incredible stuff. But, I mean, yeah. you've kind of taken it next level as well. I mean, especially when you got with Red mm-hmm. Bull, you really started stepping it up. And like I said, the last thing that you and I talked about was the Volcano Project. Yes. But, yeah. man. I got to film Seba yeah, on the volcano. Which was insane. I mean, who the fuck flies into a volcano? You know? Yeah, that was insane to watch. That was a yeah, that was a super cool jump. Huh? Amazing yeah. to watch it. Yeah, it had to be. But I mean, yeah. so uh, we talked uh, pre podcast, and I, I I made a comment to you. You did something that I personally think should have broken the fucking internet, and I can't believe that it mm-hmm. didn't. I mean, it got a lot of attention, but I can't believe it didn't get so much more. You flew under your landing area, flared. And turned around and landed above where you were in free fall too. Yeah. I think I think that's something that um, that a lot of people was thinking about and see if it was possible because it's it's a pretty cool thing, you no, know? like the suits that we have that you actually can fly by a point, flare up, pull with all the altitudes you lose on the pool and then land back on the fly by point. And uh, I was thinking it for a long, long time, but actually when I came to that place was just to do a shooting with Horacio and was to put two paragliders and I just wanted to f- do a flyby between them. And we were there for a couple of days, you know, and I remember the first jam that we did and I was like, man, you know, like, if we want to do that, because that was on the back of my head for a long time, like, we want to do that, this, this is the place, no? for sure. And uh, it's also helped a lot the place, you know, like in the place, it's a really good shoring spot. It's in Spain, it's in Organia. A really good soaring spot so normally you get some uh when you turn to the to the mountain you have a, a lot of tailwind so it helps you to come back to the landing for sure sure but you still need to do a good flare good pull without the slider for sure so you have a good opening and uh yeah commit and then commit to the to the landing no so <laughs> like well, super re- happy it happened for sure <laughs> i remember watching the video and the first time I saw it, I, it didn't register. Like I, I saw it, I saw what you did, and I went, oh, "That was kind of cool." Wait a second. And then the gears started grinding a little bit. I'm like, "He flew past the people filming." Yeah. And <laughs> wait a second. And I hit rewind and played it again and played it again. And I'm like, "Holy shit!" He yeah. descended below his landing altitude. What the fuck? That it floored yeah. me, dude. I can't believe that just that just didn't blow up the internet. Yeah, it's amazing how the suits like they are developing, no? How they 
all the technology or the developing of the suits is, is making the sport better, no? And allowing a, you to do these things. So. Give a shout out to yeah. your suit manufacturer. Who is it? The Squirrel. Well, of yeah. course it is. <laughs> With the Squirrel, yes. <laughs> which uh, which suit was that for all the people that are going to go watch that video and, and aim towards getting a suit that can so, do that? So that was a C-base. That was a C-race that I have um, that basically it has a bit of a bigger inlet so for base jumping. And uh, but now it's called C base, yeah. C base, and it's what I use normally for base jumping. I normally use that one or, or a brick, yeah. Okay, well, they've got so many out now. I mean, I see uh, um, Squirrel puts out a, a they do amazing jobs really promoting mm-hmm. their gear and, and showing what they can do. And I see people using them for hardcore free flying and then the base jumping and all this stuff. And I know it's different suits, but I also don't jump yeah. them, so I know jack shit about the actual suits. Yeah, so it's um, normally one of my favorite for sure is the Freak. Like it's the acro suit that so you can do free flying. You can do everything on it. Like it's fast. Like it's good for base jumping. It's a good overall suit for everything. And then um, now, for example, this summer I've been jumping a lot the sea base. And it's because we have China next week. Nice. So we want to have the competition. Super excited. Never been there. So super excited to jump there and to jump with those people and all the amazing people that's going to be there. It's going to be a cool trip out. Well, what a stunningly beautiful place to jump. Yes, it looks amazing. Huh? It looks all, amazing. Never been there. All the video I've seen is just jaw-droppingly beautiful. It looks like it was designed for base jumping. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Huh? It yeah, really does. Super lucky to get there, yeah. So since the last time we talked, what are the projects that uh, you've done that people uh, um, may have seen or may not have seen? Yeah, so for me, one of my personal goals, you know, like was the, um, the bridge the Ronda Bridge in Malaga. And that's because that bridge is really close to my city. Okay. So I grew up close to it. And I've been seeing that bridge since I was since I was a, a kid, you know? And um, I remember thinking about it a long, long time ago, like to, to fly over it, to fly under it. But I was like, it's no way, you know? Like for my skills or for, also for the suits, you know? But... It was not something that was possible, you know, it was just like a dream, no? It's like, it's no way that that can happen. And like a year and a half before the project, I started thinking a bit more about it, I training, started training a bit of performance. And then basically it came back to my mind again. So I started to size everything, um, Google Earth. I spent there weeks measuring everything with the laser. So for me, it was not only the project, it was not only the jump, but all the process to get to it. Mm. So the skydives that I did, like with the GPS, is measuring everything that was possible to go through it and go to the landing because it was like a canyon. So it's like 350 meter canyon. So you have to make it, you have to fly out to open in a safe place. No? Sure. And uh, so all that process to get to that project, also the permits, the permits for a project, they are insanely hard. So you go to a town that is super small, 20,000 people, something like that. You go there. And you tell it like, yeah, well, I want to fly under your bridge. But like, you want to walk? <laughs> and just go, just go, no, thanks, man. Get out of here. Get out of my office. You know, no way. So it took me some time to convince them to to let me do that project. And uh, so the, the permits took a long time. And then also the training. And, and, and yeah, it was like when it happened, it was a huge satisfaction, no? Like, sure. to work to, to do that, for sure. Well, now you talk about uh, um, putting in a lot of the training and a lot of the skydiving that you've done. Uh, I've got a lot of people that listen that are lower time jumpers that think, oh, hey, I just want to learn how to fly a wingsuit. And as soon as I know how to fly a wingsuit out of a plane, I'm just going to base jump. But it sounds to me like as a, not just a professional, but a Red Bull athlete, that you put a lot of your training into jumping out of airplanes as well. I think it's the 95% of the time or 98% of the time is skydiving. And then, uh, I mean, if we just talk about this project, for example, it, it was three jumps, the bridge. Mm. And then previous that, I did 200, 300 jumps, just practicing flare, practicing the speed, practicing for different situations, different conditions, different altitudes, you know, because the density of the air. So, so definitely 98, 99% is, is a skydive, you know. And not only windsuit, not only windsuit, because a lot of people is like 200 jumps, they start windsuiting and then straight to base jump. But I think it's more important to, to free fly 
So you are comfortable in any position. You are comfortable head up, you're comfortable head down, you're comfortable in any position of flying. And then with the time, don't be on a rush. And then with the time, for sure, get into windsurf and then windsurf base. I mean, if you feel the need for it, no? But sure. I think free flying is super important. No? I like that you said if you feel the need for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for is, sure. Which is a really polite way of saying fucking think about it before you do this shit. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, and definitely training, for sure. Like, not just not just 200 jumps is what we talk about right now. No, Like, not only 200 jumps and windsurf. Like, free flying is, is a big thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I love one of the things that I've been able to to notice the progression of is in the wingsuit free flying videos that I've seen. It's more obvious when you're making the transition from just head down to on your back to on your belly. It's easier mm -hmm. to see than it is if it's just a free flying video. And it's really cool to watch the incredible transitions because you guys are really doing a balancing act when you're on your head mm. that it's just so easy to go one way or the other and to carve back to front and around and around is it's incredible yeah so it's like uh like free fly on asteroids pretty much you know so it's like every little move like yeah if you are head down every little move that you do is gonna have a huge reaction no sure so if with free flying you push 20 centimeter with the arm with the wings you push five and it's gonna throw you around no so sure. you have to be more sensitive with the with the move that you do huh? now at yeah. your level do you still fuck yourselves up sometimes and oh definitely <laughs> definitely yeah, yeah for sure <laughs> like we uh i mean for new moves and, and and all that like now we do normally i train with seba and definitely we train new moves and head down and old face and things like that and sometimes you for sure you can mess it up huh? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, sure. um, are there any projects on the horizon that you're like super stoked about? I'm really stoked now about next week, China. So for people next that don't know China. anything about it, tell them about the China and exactly what it entails. Yeah. So China is a world windsurf big and it's a race that Jeff, Cor I think Jeff Corley and James Bull, they've been organizing for a while. They stopped for the last four years, but now they're restarting again. So basically, it's a windsurf race, and it's two competitions. One is speed, and one is target. So in a speed, you have a count on the exit, and it's basically like a ski race that you have the beep, beep, you have the beeps. And then you got the exit, you have a couple of, um, of points that you have to pass, and then the, and you have a finish line. So basically, it's a time race. And then another one is a target. So basically, you're a human dart, pretty much. So they put you a target, and you have to smash it with your head. So it's those two competitions. The yeah. target one fucking blows my mind. I've watched yeah. some of the training videos of different competitors flying down somewhere in Europe. I would imagine it's Switzerland or something like that, or Norway. And it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. You're jumping yeah. off a cliff way up there, and there's a little square that puffs off a little color when you slam your head into it at what, yeah. 200, 250 kilometers an hour? Probably, yeah. <laughs> I actually never did a target. I never smashed nothing with my head. No? <laughs> no, and I never did a target. So so it's going to be the first time there. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So, um, well, but for my own curiosity, where can people watch this? Like, is it going to be live streamed somewhere? Yes, I think they're going to send us some links. So awesome. we want to share it in the social media for sure. Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to have to make sure you and I keep in contact so I can spread that link all over the place. But more than anything, just so, thank you. So, so I can fucking watch it. Yes. <laughs> so after all of this, you've gotten to this level. And of course, you, you said your family was excited for you when you were able to make a living out of it. And you're doing tandems and shooting video and, and doing what a lot of people now consider safe skydiving. But you're about to go to China and try and slam your head into a target. Like, what is the <laughs> what does the family think of this? <laughs> Actually, they don't know about the target. <laughs> no, about the target. But uh, they it's been a while now, no? So it's they they have full trust of I mean of what I do for sure, and they are happy that that the path that I'm following and, and every trip and where the sport is taking me, no? Like it's taking me to 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 meet some amazing people 
to meet some amazing places. Like last week, two weeks ago, I was in Kenya, for example. And uh, the sport took me there. Yeah. Uh, Demo Jump took me there. And it, it made me meet. Like, I met so many amazing people. A really amazing culture. Like the people there is really friendly and sure. amazing. Also, like it takes you to so many places. And, and I feel super lucky on of what I do and yeah, all the trips that I, that I get to do. What's uh what's your top place so far? Or do you have one? I think it's, it's hard to choose. Huh? Yeah. Like, yeah. like Kenya was super nice. Um, uh, all Europe, no, like I was in Estonia a month ago. Also, I never been there before. So really cool, but it's hard to choose one place for sure. Like sure. every place have a special thing that you, that you love and, some things that you also don't like, but every place is special for sure. And every jam or demo jam that we do, something special. Which is incredible. I mean, well, and especially yeah. because at the end of the day with what we do, skydiving and base jumping are still pretty obscure, even though it's it's uh, become very mainstream to have the uh, Instagram videos and you see skydiving mm-hmm. and advertisements all over the place. Outside of skydiving, nobody knows, knows who the fuck any of us are. No, 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 no. none of us. Like none of us are doing it for the fame. No, of course not. We do it for the lifestyle, for the people we meet, and the lifestyle that we guys is pretty good. Yeah, man. Are you kidding me? It's pretty fucking good, though. I mean, at the the end of the day, my career has ended up with me kicking my feet up in a a beautiful place at the tip of a forest in fucking Finland because one day I went and decided to jump out of an airplane. Yeah. You know, it's been a pretty good path. Yeah, for sure. So long term, where do you see yourself? Uh, obviously, we all know that uh, uh, joints and bones don't uh, hold up as well because uh, yeah. we beat the shit out of ourselves. So is there a, is there an end game for you? Are you thinking that far ahead yet? So definitely, definitely. It's always on my mind. But I mean, I want to keep doing what I do. As, yeah, you're a young guy. And as as long as my body allows it and as soon as I have motivation for it, the motivation is super high right now. So as soon as I like um, as long as I can as as the body holds and, and I'm motivated for it, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna now, keep going for sure. As a Red Bull athlete, do you do their their training center stuff there and go get uh, um have them helping you out with uh physical therapy and all that shit? Yeah, so I I went once for like a week because I they had an amazing set. I think they have two facilities, two other performance center, one in California and they have one in uh, Austria. And it's really good. Like I when I was working, I work a bit in the in the windsurf tunnel and I was flying so much that I got kind of injured like I, I did 55 hours in 10 days. It was a lot of flying. It was a lot of fun. I was coaching. It was a camp. I was flying for myself. So I was going busy mode and I got injured. And uh, they helped me a lot with that. They give you really good exercise. They give you really good programs, rehabilitation. So so it's a really good tool. Like Red Bull is an amazing partner that helps you on good moments, for sure. It helps you on an amazing project, but also on the bad moment like that. They they never let you down. No? They always help you. That so I, I think super is... Lucky with them. In all the uh, Red Bull athletes that I've I've talked to, that's the thing that's impressed me the most is not what they do for the athletes when you're kicking ass, but what they do for you guys if you get hurt or if you're not performing as well. They don't just bail on you, which is pretty fucking incredible for what started out as an energy drink that just gives me fucking heart palpitations. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing company. It's an amazing partner for us uh, that help us definitely an immense amount of things on like to make like for example the bridge or all these jumps that i've been doing like without them would be like it's no way it's impossible and also on the bad moments like you said no like as soon as you get you get injured you have the best doctor you're gonna have the best support from them no so it's amazing Fantastic. So right now there's somebody listening to this uh, episode that's just getting started out and all they want to do is be Danny Roman down the road. <laughs> so how how do they do that? How how does a, a newer jumper that's just getting started, wh- what should they be thinking about as they try and carve out a career that kind of mirrors yours? I think for for everyone for sure that want to do that want to become in that want to do a sport you know want to become 
you know, like do on a high level or want to do something. I think just consistency, no consistency. Mm. And I think it's no other trick, consistency and have cleared your goals and uh, consistency for sure. Well, and I, I, I would uh, imagine too, you kind of, obviously you had a bit of a luck when it came to Dubai and, and being able to kind of have an accelerated training program, but it sounds mm-hmm. to me like you took your time with everything that you've done and you've always gone back to your roots of skydiving in order to hone your skills to do shit like, you know, go fly in China next week and all this stuff. So it sounds to me like you've also kept it consistent in your training as well. I mean, it's a trick, huh? for sure. Like if we, like, for example, I was working in the tunnel, in the winter tunnel for like nearly, um, nearly a year. And then I've been coaching there. I've been coaching there often, like I kind of go like every month in the winter for like a week. And it's nice to see because I kind of got out of working there full time. And it's really nice to see how the sport grow. So I got out and then a couple of instructors more came in and you see in like a year and a half how how the sport progress, you know, and it's like, fuck, they're doing triple barrel roll, you know, I look and do one and I can do two, you know, and it's, it's really cool to see and it's really motivating, no? So to see that and to see what other people is doing, like keeps you motivated to keep training and to, to do new things and yeah, like training is for sure, it's the, the sport growing, huh? so you have to sure. grow with that. Well, it's it's awesome too. Like from my perspective, I watched this insane progression throughout the years, and and now, of course, watching this progression doesn't motivate me to go try it because all I look at is what you guys are doing and go, oh, I'll it'd be in so much pain if I try, yeah. <laughs> try and learn how to do what these guys are doing. But the it's watching you guys kind of feed off of each other back and forth. And one guy does one thing and then it just kind of gets upped a little bit more. But it's also athletes like you that are are pushing towards doing it the right way. I mean, you say you're going out and measuring everything and, and you're talking about air density. And this is shit that skydivers didn't talk about before. You know, I mean, it was get on the fucking plane and we'll go figure it out. And, you know, now, yeah. especially at the level that you're at to, to know that you're taking that kind of um really full circle view of everything and really watching your ass as you're doing this stuff also makes what you're doing that much cooler because i know what's gone into it yeah yeah for sure like um i think it's like ways the sport is growing it's growing in a more professional way like actually i just came from the dolomites and uh i have three days of training for for china because it's Something I never really did that much, you know, like the speed rounds and all that. So I wanted to learn from it. And uh was some guys that they've been doing a lot of a lot of speed rounds, you know, and then they've been showing me how it changed with the conditions, you know, like yeah, the air we train a bit higher because here the air is the less dense, you know, so you can go faster. And uh if you jump in the morning, you have to dive a bit more because of this, you know. So like, it's crazy the knowledge of of every part of the sport, no, and it's really good to to put. I, I really enjoy to put the motivation, for example, on that. No, like now I'm motivated now with that race, and I go to learn that. And when you put your motivation on something, it's crazy the amount of things that you learn, no, from other oh. people. Oh yeah, well, and then, the stuff that you guys are having to do. You, I mean, there's no other way to put it. You guys are pilots. You're just pilots yeah. of a stick and rudder aircraft. You know, I mean, yeah. you are absolutely having to do all the same things that I, as a, as a pilot sitting in the cockpit, have to do for planning a flight. You're just the aircraft as well as the pilot. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty cool feeling, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be. Yeah. Again, yeah. no no wingsuit yeah. stuff on this end, but I do know what yeah. it's like to get out of the airplane. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so um, for everybody listening, how do they um, follow you so that they can check on updates on how to check out what you do in China? Where do they go to see all the crazy shit that you've already done and all the stuff that's coming up? How do they follow Danny Roman? So where I'm more active is on Instagram. So Instagram, Danny Roman. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Instagram, yeah. I post uh, sometimes, sometimes in YouTube, but normally where I'm more active is uh, is on Instagram. Awesome. And uh, um, you and I will keep in contact because I'm going to find out when um, or what the links are for the World Wingsuit League for China, because especially if it's live streamed, I want to be able to watch this. 
I will send it to you for sure. Oh, dude, that's fantastic. Danny, as always, an incredible pleasure sitting down to talk with you. I cannot thank you enough for wasting your time shooting the shit with me. (laughs) Thank you so so much for having me here. It's good to see you. (laughs) Danny, take care, man. Take care, man. See ya. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Lunatic Fringe Podcast brought to you as always by, well, wait, not as always, actually. Brought to you now by Gyro. Formerly known as NZ Aerosports, you'll head to gyro.com for their next level line of canopies. By Pussfoot, the Extreme Sports Collective. Head over to pussfoot.com to check it out. By Summit Parachute Systems, check out summitparachutesystems.com to talk to Jarrett Martin and the gang about kick-ass pilot rigs, rigging courses, and more. By Flyaway Indoor Skydiving. Go to flyawaytn.com and check out all the cutting-edge stuff to come. By Pure Spectrum CBD. Head to purespectrumcbd.com to check out their wide range of CBD products. And as for us, head to the lunaticfringepodcast.com to listen to any of the hundreds of episodes currently available. Hit the link for our YouTube channel, pick up your copy of the Lunatic Fringe book or The Accidental Stripper, and get a sneak peek at upcoming guests. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.